It's just past 18 hours, 30 minutes and 32 seconds East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 28th of June, 2023. Hamjambo na karibuni. Hello and welcome. And happy Id al-Adha to our Muslim listeners. Good people, you must have got used to the gambit of having you and our mystery guest listen to random answers to a sample question from random people as a lead-in to our conversation. Well, there's a bit of a change for this edition. This time, you are the target of my questioning. On Sunday, the 18th of June this year, I was at a concert in Nairobi which had the poster heading Kenya at 60, celebrating Kenya's 60 years of independence. You see how influential we are? Be that as it may, we are going to play you some music. And the question is, can you identify, as I am more than certain that our very knowledgeable guest can, what you are about to hear by artist and title? A bit like, for example, the Beatles, Twist and Shout. You can tell how old I am, can't you? Anyway, here goes. So, you've worked out that our focus is not on popular or pop music, but on what is called classical music. So, Guijiwetu, what was that? That was Beethoven's Ninth Symphony in D minor, first movement. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're a better man than I am. Um, I, I knew it was um, Beethoven. I, I would have said that, but I wouldn't have gone much further. So is it um, is it too much of a, a silly question to ask? Is there a definition of classical music, or just the minute you hear violins and trumpets and um, flutes, it must be classical music? Very good question. There is several definitions of classical music. They are all dependent on so many different factors. The the most the most um, 
accepted the most widely known definition is yes when you put a lot of those instruments together uh, people would call that classical music but actually in essence classical music refers to a period in time and a culture where music was composed specifically for that medium to be performed in the concert hall because that was the dominant sort of uh, musical output of western europe for about 400 years starting around 1550 1560 mm. uh, and that that is that became what's called the classical music music that was written specifically to be performed in that setting with those instruments or voices which i hear you but um i'd like to know normally as i say we have um, vox pops we walk around the streets of nairobi or kisumu or eldoret or whatever and get people to comment on um, some question but we were a bit stuck this time round because i ask you how many kenyans would have given the answer that you've just given me who are exposed to this kind of music like it listen to it attend concerts etc a very a very small number of kenyans in general would probably define classical music using those terms and maybe even a small number of those who actually play classical music might define it using those terms per se because that is um um information that you have to look for because it's not the music the definitions are not what you listen to you listen to the sounds right right and so the definitions what it's called and some of that history become something you have to have a particular interest to dig and acquire so no a very small number of kenyans would actually define it or even need to so am i likely to receive hate mail for having dedicated an addition to discussing classical music uh, <laughs> at Kenya 60 on this is it irrelevant let's is, wait let's, is this an irrelevant conversation let's wait and see let's wait and see i think the um the it's a very interesting topic generally speaking and it always receives varied feedback unless you get it right so what happens is as a thing by itself when people meet classical music for the first time it's really not for you until it fi- it makes sense so people who finally receive music and they go like wow that spoke to me and then they start giving it a different kind of review but otherwise if you just present classical music and either you don't get it right or it doesn't so to speak hit home uh, mm. in 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 Nairobi in Kenya sometimes people will be like yo ni ni that's not for us that's uh, yeah it sounds very foreign very different Well I'll tell you I I was alluding to my dinosaur years in the introduction but I'll tell you Guigi how when I was at high school I was in a boarding school it was one of those um, boarding schools in the wake of independence which was bringing together all the Kenyan races but it was bringing together all the Kenyan races uh, in a school that had hitherto been so to speak white but then i think it was gashadi or some man said you know let's a report when independent mind we've got to do our own thing so there i was uh, at this boarding school and we had a music teacher and i remember uh, pretty much as you say that we were obliged during the music lesson to sit down and everybody obedience was key because the rod had not been spared nor the child being beaten by the rod and in absolute silence uh 
the record player would be switched on and we would be obliged to listen to having been explained that there were four movements in the symphony it began and then you listen to movement number one but then if it was the new world uh, symphony uh, you said it wasn't you weren't to say Dvorak you were to say Dvorak and the new world symphony was all about going to discover America as a new institute and then it became clear to you that indeed if you listen carefully uh, it did tell a story through music over a period of time in a tender uh, attaching sort of way and the four seasons did represent different times of the year even if one hadn't experienced winter so I, I can see that you're we're basically saying that classical music grows on one it does it definitely grows on one and you've hit the nail on the head by saying you had to sit in silence yes. because classical music is a very interesting kind of offering classical music needs you to attempt to accept it the idea of being still sitting in silence so it fits in the realm of experiences like looking at a sunset or or something like this you have to sit still you have to actually make some effort to receive the offering the offering doesn't grab you and say you're going to listen whether you like it or not mikono ju clap it actually is more if you sit and give it the attention then there's a chance it will speak to you and i think it's uh, partly for this reason that classical music has ended up in different corners of society where stillness is an option as a way of life yes uh, and and where stillness is not an option as a way of life where there's a little bit more hustle and bustle classical music does not have the muscle to fight its way on the sonically doesn't have the muscle to fight its way against all the other life sounds life noises that we live with Mm. So that's an interesting thing. You I guess well done for going to a school that allowed you this opportunity. Yes. Well, it was a great boon and a blessing when one was slightly older in the sense that when you heard it again, you it's the whole business of exposure. One knew what one was dealing with. But again, I'd ask you if there was an interest to be displayed. If it was a pop, I was talking about the Beatles, you know, the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones in my teenagehood. would one have to go back said i like classical music and i'm going to wade through each and every composer until i find because everybody in the pop music world you have the the musician whom you like you choose your musician so we've got all these names we've got beethoven we've got chopin we've got liszt we've got handel uh, the messiah all these things are sort of buzzwords how should one expose oneself in later age and sort of progress because by the time you've got to the planets or something that's pretty wagner is a bit difficult isn't Holst, it holst yes yeah, yeah. yes gustav yes. holst you have yeah. to yes it's quite a journey into classical music it moves in different dimensions hmm. the first dimension is in complexity because the art itself was a as a, as a highly technical thing and so at the beginning of classical music the tools that were used by the artists the sonic tools the sound options that they had uh, and they got really good at them and then they then they did more with them and had and, and invested more in how to expand what they could so it grew in complexity and that makes it so less accessible if you're starting into classical music 
you and you and you happen to start with Gustav Holst for the first time. Yes. You starting from a fairly complex piece might make it more difficult to access all the nuance that's in there. So but there is a lot of classical music that is more accessible. The sequencing and the amount of information that's packed in there is not so much. And so that's a better place to start. That's a first dimension. The other is, di- is, there, is there such a thing as a simple composer like go for him? Well, her. there actually no? is such a thing as a simple composer, technically speaking. And yes. simple composers, um, I, the way I see it, I'll speak for myself. I don't speak for the entire classical world. Mm. A simple composer, I think, is somebody who has l- less meaning in what they're trying to say. Right. But um, I, somebody could write only two notes, but depending on the meaning and the value that they put on those two notes, then mm. they are actually a very complex composer because they speak life, they speak culture they speak history oh dear and, and uh, wait a minute wait a minute there's the one that i've heard the guy who goes yes ravel yes well he's doing the same thing a thousand times but it's considered a classic or exactly. classical music exactly it is now that is a but, perfect example but it, but it is simple it is simple in the sense of the number of notes he's using and the rhythms he's using and the amount of repetition and he layers it so cleverly but you have to be able you have to you have to expect that layer and you have to accept the layer as it comes in and then as the music builds up what happens is it builds to a climax it builds this energy to climax and then dies away and so it is simple exactly in the sense that it's less of the tools available that he could have used and the instruments he could have used he's used less of them very minimal but at the same time it's not that simple because the amount of meaning packed behind that's what makes it a masterpiece even though it's simple and now we have the opposite we have a lot of music that is a million notes on the page and actually no message no no depth so the composer doesn't live anymore in you know through that music or nothing lives out of that music let me not say nothing but maybe less lives out of that music than bolero Mm. Yeah. Right. It, um, it's time for us to make our first stop. And again, to give you warning of the next bit of our conversation is that um, being, again, a young person, we had uh, something about the history. Because I remember on the radio, there was a gentleman called Nat Kofsky, and uh, he played all these things and was so knowledgeable and introduced them. And we've lost that. There, He is gone, and his education of us is gone so history but for now a break Guiji history um, again when we talk about English there's this sort of derogatory uh, dismissive uh, saying Kizungu ilikuja na meli you know it came by boat the strange alien language yeah. Uh, there's antipathy. Uh, does the history of classical music um, point to people sort of fobbing it off and saying enough of this, or has it been welcomed over the last sixty years? And oh well, sorry, I'm I'm a bad interviewer. Tell us something about the history. Let's make, <laughs> history. It, let's make it more broad. You've, you've you know more it, than I do. You've perfect. You've put uh, it in context very well by saying English, English kizungu or English kingereza, because mm. there is the there is how classical music came to these shores in right. the first place. Mm. Now the history, the bigger history, uh, and I'm excited now. I'm just 
as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about the multidimensionality of classical music. Because you see, England was never in itself a headquarters of classical music at any point. There's been great composers out of England uh, and Britain, but actually classical music in its highest form was domiciled not in the UK or, or England, it was domiciled in maybe Germany or Italy or, you know, via Austria. So it it got to England, and as a result, I think, again, disclaimer, this is more my personal opinion. I think the English are the best academics of classical music. Uh, they didn't necessarily create it, but I think they have studied it. And so when English came to Kenya, with all the things that English came to Kenya with, classical music was one of them approached from a very English perspective, which is different from what you'd see further west in Western Europe, Russia. It's, it's very different how the English approach classical music. And how they approach classical music is how it was approached here. So we ended up with um, the cultural concert hall as 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 much as it could fit so starting from as early as i think 1927 there was uh, attempts to play classical music in kenya in different ways there was a band in dar es salaam um, even earlier than that and right up till 1927 and uh, and they they had you know african people of african descent learning to play instruments and they had a marching band over there a few of them were part of the very early starts of trying to perform as an orchestra in Nairobi and they would be transported over and they would form an orchestra. But as a regular thing, it wasn't until about in the, in the, in the 1940s, after the Second World War, that actually classical music took off as a regular cultural offering in Nairobi. The interesting thing is that uh, the Nairobi Orchestra, for example, as we know it, is one of the most enduring ensembles, one of the most enduring groups, and this was formed partly using Italian prisoners of war. The World War had ended, and there was all these prisoners held in different parts of the world uh, by by Britain, and they were released and, you know, given land or whatever, and uh, some of them who were musicians in the military ended up playing music um, and forming part of the beginning of the Nairobi Orchestra. It's around 1947, and that went on to be quite a prolific, quite a well-known orchestra right up till independence. So there's, uh, um, one of the things that happened is at that time, Kenya was viewed as a prime destination for wealthy English people. And so Nairobi, stopping in Nairobi in any capacity, including as a musician. So people would stop in Nairobi and then go to Cape Town or somewhere. And then they, it was proud. People were proud to say, I've played in Nairobi. And uh, it also had the novelty of being this classical music being played far out, far out in quotes at the equator and, and you know, out in Africa. So the idea of a theater, but still there was a community of people that maintained it quite steadily right up till independence. The important part for us is after independence, as uh, I guess uh, around a time when you said you were in a school that was doing some integration of all the races in Kenya, and that started happening across the field. And so inevitably, as people got more access, classical music in itself started opening up even more to, to, to Kenyans of African descent. Although, because of this description that I gave earlier, that classical music needs you to be able to sit still enough to participate in it, um, it always took, it was always easier for an international population or an um, expatriate population or fairly wealthy population to sit and accept the classical music and, and learn how to do it. The other side of it is 
because of the instruments that are used to play classical music it needed years it still does needs years of absolute focus and practice to learn how to play it and so people fell along the way and only very few people managed to get on to play the music that existed um and brings me to a very interesting point because uh what did not take off which i wish it had was people using what they had learned so far to write music and play it but the way classical music is set up this body of music that came from europe that's 400 years old it's a massive collection of pieces from so many composers and accessing that music becomes a part of learning to play the instrument and so people went so far alafu kisha they well, if you don't get to the highest level for different reasons because life doesn't allow you the access or the consistency and then you fall by the wayside and that meant it stayed very narrow in uh, until you know recently all through independence mm. but i think the important thing molim was to note that natkovsky who you've mentioned and yes. a few others made great effort within their own capacity to try and expand this reach and sustain the music and they and a few others have um, have kept a string alive from independence to now that we've been able to pull on and try and build on and build something um, bigger and different well my guiji my area of expertise i'd say would be the theater and i don't know whether there are any parallels because you're actually saying that um, classical music in itself was there there was a great stash of gold and you could go and take an ingot and sort of enjoy it and uh, appreciate it but in the theater i think there was a movement where people were saying il quacchetti a coloni then slaved us and now we're moving more and more towards doing our own thing uh, and therefore there could be uh, chapters in the history of kenyan theater where you know there were things to be destroyed so if some wonderful uh, english actor uh, sir ralph richardson or somebody had come and signed their name on the walls of the national theater the first thing to do was to douse it with black paint and sort of destroy it you know this whole business of you know there's road statue in the middle of a university we've got to destroy it uh, because that reminds us of something that is unpalatable now it was that would you say that in the last 60 years that the performance of classical music has changed in order to yeah sort of you know own it yes nietu <laughs> yes na isi yenu yes nietu it's a very interesting thing yes yeah. I, in classical music it happened a, a lot later than in probably other artistic fields mm. so there would have been authentic and high quality kenyan theater i'm guessing i don't mm. know in the 60s and 70s they should no. have been those kenyans i would say there wasn't but let's I don't that's, know, I don't that's, know. that's another conversation <laughs> but definitely but the the pushback yes the rejection factors were definitely I, what happened I'm, I'm so what keen. happened is um, i think classical music was safe because because kenyans did not really want to own it in the first place it was this thing that was so yes. far removed that they didn't but until much later so it was in the in the 2000s mm. where there was a direct push to say actually we can do this 
and and there was a lot of Kenyans coming into the scene and trying and wanachekelewa it was actually funny because I, yes. I, I was there I experienced quite a lot of um you know the the sort of what are you trying to do with well that it's instrument? the same with lots of things I think yeah. that I mean for to, to have lived in various eras decades uh, take for rugby for example mm-hmm. uh, the fact that you know if you you sort of like you're a, a, a black person and you went and played for a white team like mm-hmm. nondescripts you played for yes. nondies uh, all sorts of epithets coming from both angles as yes. you were busy running along the the wing and there were pioneer people who fought against that yes and then there was the birth of you know the the the, the uh, mean machine so i'm just wondering whether if you were to write a book now whether you'd find similar Absolutely. milestone moments going from basically rejection to acceptability Absolutely in fact there are direct parallels I think I like that you mentioned rugby because that's one of the places that it was really obvious that mm. this was not Well rugby's gone full circle all the, be- gone... all the best teams are not <laughs> yes. from our sort of you know a custard eating uh, no, boarding no, it, schools no, it's western it's Kenya it's actually changed completely exactly. and what and what happens is that the the ownership in different ways so the multiplicity of classical music and rugby to some extent the the dimensions are different so the culturally speaking there was a push so i was lucky to experience the, the the leaders who forged their way and they said come come kujeni mucheze and we said what we are trying and these people they're not letting us they they're looking at us wana cheka sana why your clarinetic on shimo this thing your instrument is broken and you can't afford another one and 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 these guys say to us play don't worry you go there and play this music and what has happened is so that whole spectrum happened and it came from rejection it came from demarcation it came from uh, plus all the cultural nuance of what needs to be destroyed some things were destroyed not because they needed destroying but because there were representations yeah just before the, the break you know so your conversations are weird because any the weird <laughs> things come to mind uh, something like the Kenyan national anthem which you could say was written in a in a sort of classical register. Yes. So again the mythology George Senogazake, a Ugandan guy who was there and then there was a Mzungu called Graham Hislop yes. and there's a Hislop sort of hall at the University of Nairobi. Is it a bit like was uh, finally was was an anthem such as ours was it written by an African? Very good question. Mm. I think it. Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I don't know because I mean, because by, a, it's by a bit heritage, like Malaika who wrote yes, it. Who wrote it? Williams, no, no, no. There's that. There's yeah. the artistic side. There's who came up with the art, but yeah. also there is the those people. I think had become Africanized enough. Graham Hislop and 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 those people. And I had a conversation with the uh, professor who's part of that committee, who's still around now, and and he's very keen. To, you can see that somehow the. The picture that we are fighting for now they could see it then they could see that the way to go forward is not black or white it is picking these things and making something of them yes well um we're, we're going to pursue that now but this clock is ticking away it is now 18 hours 59 minutes and 36 seconds time for a break <laughs>
Guiji, do forgive me. Did I cut you off on um, ownership of our uh, national anthem? Well, no, no, not exactly. But I think that the the, the history of classical music in Kenya is intertwined with the history with the ownership because classical music became has only existed first of all uh, here is something very interesting classical music has never become a marketplace product it's never fully become a thing that you buy and sell for this reason it has only existed because somebody owns it and so the people who have owned it have worked hard to preserve it to conserve it to perform it had to embed it in their culture, in their way of life because you have to live and go and make money in the market as a banker or a lawyer or whatever you need to do and then still have space for classical music. So if you did not embed it in your way of life, it would die. And so the people that owned it happened to be of a certain demographic, happened to be all Europeans or white Kenyans or really, really extremely wealthy Kenyans for the longest time. And by the time um, people, so you know, such as if I dare say myself, who are venturing into the waters, not only were we trying to access this overly complicated technical thing, we did not belong to the culture that owns it to, to embed it. So, for you to participate, you had to try and embed yourself in that way of life in which the music was conserved. Right. And, so, and, uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry, time is never on our side. I just want in this particular 15 minute segment. I, I evoked my own schooling, and let's say that it was privileged um, and somewhat um, apart. I'm asking if we're looking at an overview of 60 years of independence, and we like this thing. I like this thing. I've just hummed something for your delectation. I'm familiar with all these things. Was it part of the syllabus? In was it you know the, the Kenya Schools Music Festival? Uh, have there been efforts to ex to expose and expand? Yes, there has been. In the syllabus, even today, that exam that you described, mm. where you went to the music room and you listened to something and you had to either identify it or write it down, that still happens. If music students at secondary school in Kenya still listen, they still analyze a classical work and they have to say things about it and learn how to do country -wide. it. Countrywide. Sorry, I'm expressing ignorance here. Countrywide. Well, yes, countrywide. Unfortunately, not all government schools offer music as an option. So right. those that offer music, they do the same exam. They sit an exam where they do analysis, what's called analysis, where you study a score of music and you listen to it and you write about the history of the composer, where was he born, why did he write it, and they learn how to access classical music. And then they also listen and they do oral skills where you try and notate music. So that is still offered as a curriculum function. Guiji, I mean, it's, it's very difficult in a, in a discussion such as this. Kenyans have a problem. I mean, I could make a direct reference to where I come from, to my village. And then terribly for us Kenyans, everything becomes tribal and people are trying to work out whether you come from Karachuanyo or Turukana. But I will say, Guiji, that in my village... Let me think about this um, carefully before I come out with a punchline. I've never seen a kid holding a violin. No, absolutely not. And that will be. But there are government schools. You see, you see the the, the elephant in the room that I'm there trying are to government raise from schools. the dead. I understand uh, yeah, that. There yes. are schools. Yes, there, uh, are, there schools. are schools. Now, what happens is there those is schools, no violin. They have no violin. They have a yeah, record uh, player, and they listen to the violin. Uh, 
oh. and the teacher says hiyo unasikia hapo kando hiyo hiyo imepita hiyo hiyo ni violin ayangoja usikie hii bumbu hasa hiyo ni so yeah. they listen and yeah. then sometimes the teachers get it wrong sometimes right. the teachers get it wrong sometimes the children they have a rough so in, in to answer the question is it in the curriculum yes in what form and to what extent and what impact it does that's a different question but it is in the curriculum classic music as, as, as when you study music generally you do yes. western music you do african music yeah but people are obliged this is because the, the, there's so many ways to to approach this uh, we've talked about uh, tranquility the appreciation of solitude uh, the idea of concentration the idea of discipline yes. all these things that could pass perhaps more effectively than being in a rugby team where somebody's going to make you concussed break your fibula or tibula i mean it's a much more genteel way of learning discipline and teamwork yes but i'm i'm i still say uh because the kenya we want uh, with all our hustling and grabbling and you know um becoming overnight millionaires it seems to me that we are losing direct efforts to make ourselves appreciative of culture and being cultured and refined yes is that is that a terrible sort of well it's stab in the foot to whatever one does to one's foot? I, i would put it differently i, ha- I have to agree with what you're saying mm-hmm. and i have to put it differently and say it's not culture it's 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 what we make of our culture rather than a culture being something that we access and learn how to get to it's putting the meaning into our way of life as it is now so you have to live the experience because our psychology you know for thousands of years bado tunasikia maumivu we feel pain we feel anger we feel sadness so if we can find ways to try and do that it will lead us necessarily to endeavors like playing that kind of music that calms the nerves or that expresses another level of emotion that is part of what you're trying to say so mwalimu let me give you a point that i think um highlights what i'm trying to say we leave the market without a doubt tukienda kwa matanga mm. and out once kuimba cha and everybody gets to the same emotional state not exactly. not because they are paying money for it yes na tukienda kwa harusi when a child is born when a mother is singing a lullaby to a child and the mother is singing and you tell the child you tell the mother fanya hivi wewe ujaimba wewe you are out of tune weka mtoto chini umchezee recording ya mtu mwingine mwenye ni professional yes. the mother will tell you get out because when she's singing she's expressing the highest level of expression that she can imagine yes now this is what i'm talking about collectivizing that expression leads to this kind of endeavor classical music grew because they collectivized some kind of expression and yes. when somebody came and said there is a expression imetoka huko can you do it then you're like why me i've got i'm living i'm alive i've got an expression that i'm living so the challenge is to then it's not about even elevating anything just about creating the space for that expression and if you listen to any people whatever the level of hustle and bustle if you listen to them when when the market keeps quiet a bit na umerudi nyumbani and it is just you and your spirit whatever that is that you need to say that's where classical music would survive i agree with you entirely we, there's no there's no need for us to disagree because i agree with you but i'm i'm trying to sort of say um heroes washuja yes again the image that will come to mind for people who uh, live in nairobi and that's a question to come is that beyond nairobi is there life in the classical world mm-hmm. but uh, we have seen uh, the, the advent of uh, one yoyo ma 
Yes. Uh, and you know, some people say I haven't got his names right. Maybe he's my yo yo. My yo yo. Okay. But anyway, this. Uh, my my yo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this guy comes through, you know, sort of Martian fellow lands. Yes. What was absolutely extraordinary is that, uh, that without any advertising that I saw, without any sort of, you know, d- d- roll of drums, mm-hmm. uh, people were ready to go and see this one performance of one man playing the cello for two and a half hours non-stop from memory but they were prepared to pay as i understood it tens of thousands of shillings yes now i'm saying 60 years on are people going to pay uh, thousands of shillings not tens to listen to a kenyan practitioner do the same thing because that surely the outcome the proof of the pudding is in the eating as we say in england yes it is only going to happen if we do the collective job as well as the technical job. You see, Yoyoma came within a couple of weeks yes. of the boys to men. Yes, exactly. Sindio. Another now, the prices were roughly the same for exactly. the both concerts. However, mm. kwa Yoyoma, kulikuwa na kitiki moja on the stage yes. and him and his cello and then silence. Sindio. Yes. Boys to men iliona mtandaoni labda kulikuwa screen, microphone, speaker, kulikuwa na vitu vingine vingi. No, but we're talking across purposes. I'm talking about heroes. Let's just, my question, maybe I posed it wrongly. 60 years on, you know, yes. we've got this, I think, you know, whatever the poster said, Kenya at 60. Yes. Uh, they were, you know, they were borrowing or copying from, from our from, series. From, yeah. Okay, fine. It's good. Yes. I, I, imitation is a serious form of flattery and all that. Yeah. 60 years on, yes. Luigi. Yes. 60 years on, who are our Saudi souls? Who are our Eric Wainainas? of the classical music world? Very good question, Mwalimu. And we are not talking at cross purposes. I think I, there does not need to be a hero of classical oh. music. No, that's what my point is. Oh dear. Because Yo-Yo Ma existed mm. because, especially because of b- belonging to a massive community serving an art, not because of any other way. So his output on the cello, right? That is why his best presentation is him playing the cello, right? The, 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 I think that we will have heroes. We will have now, what has happened in, in Kenya so far, we will have people who will be able to stand out. Even currently, there are exceptionally good instrumentalists and singers of the classical realm in Kenya, you know, rivaling their age mates and their counterparts from anywhere around the world. However, um for it to be domiciled completely in the collective culture so that it succeeds it, we are still way too young to expect heroes yoyo ma is a hero because he stands well I, well I guess for one reason he's um, possibly older than kenya is itself it, it, to some uh, extent yes, yes i think he's, he's probably 65 so i, t- I take your point entirely is that and you see Oyoma also there's something on youtube of yoyo ma meeting Yo-Yo Jeff Ma. John F. Kennedy. Now, when he, how old was Yoyo Ma? And, and playing with his sister as yes. a seven-year-old. There you go. Uh, so what refu- happens is as by, refugees from France. By that time, mm. Yoyo Ma was already showing this exceptional talent and standing completely in the. So Yoyo Ma has been engulfed in this community of support from that time to now, world over, and. So so that's why the question... The, no, the reason I'm going to stay with it just for a while yes. to sort of nitpick is that the hero is worthy of imitation. So, yes. so let's let the hero, the heroine, somebody one wishes to be like. Yes. So I'm saying if we had invited the whole of the Kenyan cabinet 
to attend the Yo-Yo Ma concert, would they have come? My answer is no, they wouldn't have, because they'd have prepared to have some sort of rally, um, planning a demonstration the next day. So th there's there's a there's a if you don't appreciate it, how <laughs> yes. are we going to get it? How are we going to get it there? Because what will happen is you're right. The, yes. it would have been difficult sell to some quarters of mm -hmm. our society of our leaders, for example, in different fields, to come to the Yoma concert. Yet the concert sold out. Yes. Yet the concert sold out, and the people that went there. Now I'll tell you a story about Yoma's visit. That's special. For the whole preparation of Yoma, Yoma was supposed to come in 2020, and that was cancelled because of COVID. Yes. And Nairobi. So it was going to be June 2020 when Yoyoma was here. And right from then, the, the, the clamor and the preparation and the excitement around Yoyoma spoke about everything to do with Nairobi except the cello. And so when this year finally, when Yoyoma came to Kenya, the cellists felt like they were out in the cold. And they were like, this is amazing. This is like Lionel Messi coming to Nairobi mm -hmm. and Gormaya being told, stay away. Yes. This is for some other special people who are transporting him and taking care of him. But by providence, by I don't know how, by the workings of some very, you know, hardworking people, Yoyo Mao ended up meeting some of the cellists who've been working very hard to learn to play the cello. Right. And and these people, I was talking to one of those young people who was saying, actually, she got to meet Yoyo Ma. She spoke to Yoyo Ma, And to her, that is life-changing of great proportions. Even more, she couldn't have afforded the tickets to go and watch Yoyoma live. But somehow in the movement in Nairobi, right? I don't know if it was Yoyoma's own grace or his organizers or somebody making this happen, Yoyoma got to speak to these young cellists. And even if it's just for a passing minute, those lives are changed forever. Now, the heroism, I think, is in the people behind the scenes that made that happen. Right. Or in that, that is, I think, the real heroism. And, and for classical music, I have to maintain that we have to not look for heroism in that way. It's going to happen anyway. Okay. It will happen if, if, automatically. Very but subtle, we very, don't, very, but very nuanced. I'll have to go home <laughs> and unpack your repost. But for the moment, we're going to take a break. Thank you very much. Capital FM. Guiji, uh, the last uh, 13 or so minutes, where shall we go from here? I guess we go to the future. Uh, but before then, again, name, maybe some people do deserve publicity and whatever can be gained from this sort of thing. I'd like to for you to evoke the activities of um, Elizabeth Njoroge and the Ghetto Classics uh, and also the uh, Safaricom Youth Orchestra, which we know about. Because in, their, in some way they're representative of uh, what they call the idea of um, 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 patronage, the idea of somebody helping you, you know, going to Louis the Sixteenth or whatever, going to the King for you to write plays, Shakespeare. These are the guys. So what are they doing? And are other people should should they be encouraged to to do what they're doing? Because two is not enough. No, I'm happy that you've mentioned that because I was. these are the people that I was referring to when I say there's people who came in and said, go ahead, play this music, you can do it. In the case of Elizabeth Joroge, how she deserves a special mention because she's doing what classical music needs for it to survive. She's domiciling it in a community. She's making it a way of life for the people that play it. 
that is very interesting. So instead of saying we're going to get you out of this village to go and play classical music over there, she said we're going to make classical music your way of life here and immediately getting hundreds of young people to access that discipline that you mentioned earlier, Molimu, you said mm. your discipline, your focus, your interrogation. So Elizabeth Njoroge is achieving that and um, uh, when I when I first met Elizabeth Njoroge in 2007 and and she um she has a very she has a simple way of making the impossible seem possible so she will listen and she'll say okay what do you want to do why do you want to do that and then she'll say okay and then she'll give you a call some months later and say uh, okay can you meet me this place this time tomorrow and somehow this so in 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 many ways uh, if i speak for us who are uh, i like to call myself i like to call myself part of the engine that you know under the hood just carrying on with the, with the music and mm-hmm. and we are not the car we are not the thing that people see outside uh, the the facade but so what happens is elizabeth has allowed us to do our work because what she says is she opens doors and says you know this is what needs to happen and she somehow makes it possible and 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 so the safari community orchestra ghetto classic that you've mentioned an amazing program and then um there's something called the link up schools program there's the national youth orchestra of kenya there's a continued support of the kenya conservatories of music and the orchestras that run there interesting that now there's seven or eight orchestral rehearsals in nairobi every week of different groups of different ages and what has happened is that is possible because somebody has actually made it possible to for that to happen she's opened doors she's opened spaces she's created the awareness and um you know i have to give that to her but we have had to also work very hard not to let her down because because um, she's not a technician she doesn't go to the classroom and teach how to play the instrument so those of us who are teachers of instruments those of us who you know sing or conduct or play instruments have had to not let her down i've had to go into those spaces and deliver and mm-hmm. that partnership has led to a massive change in the spectrum of classical music as happened in rugby some years ago has now happened in classical music so you go anywhere and even the people you were going to chekelea in 2002 2003 yeah, are, are now saying they can see even if they might not say ajafika standards here paris yes. but they will say that is something special and i have to mention that um on the other side so we know elizabeth joroge i want to mention there is a dozen a very highly placed operators under the hood and i right. think those are as much heroes yes i'd like significantly yes. Uh, yeah I mean, yeah so i'll say for in, in my experience there's a guy mm. called Atigala Luvai who was yes. the director of the conservatory of music in uh, you know 2000 2000 early 2000s yes and he was a particular significant educational and community impact to this day yes and the conservatory's community because the conservatory doesn't have the level of funding that you might get for example maybe at ghetto classics or, Saf- or safari community orchestra but the conservatory's standards are no different because it's based in the community right and then there is a composer called Njane Muga Yes indeed. So Njane Mugambi has been writing music you know consistently. He's been writing music consistently. I don't know if I can be heard. I can't hear myself. Okay, we'll just speak on Yes. Uh, assume that Njane Mug- yeah, Mugambi has been writing music whether there was an audience or not. Writing yes. good quality music and putting it out. But behind as writing of the music Njane has also spent a lot of time teaching music and teaching people how to think about music and um and unclassicalizing music so he said this is not 
So I'm going to use the tools and I'm going to write our music. I'm going to write Maasai music, Luo music, using the tools that we've learned from classical music. And it's, it's significant because I started off with reference to the, the Kenya at 60 concert. Yes. And there we had Njane's, uh, Njane Mugambi's composition about the building of the, uh, the Kenya-Uganda railway. Yes. And also mention of some genius child from Kenya in either Texas or somewhere in, who's yes. busy con and and there were lots of compositions that um, that were were by Kenyans by Kenyan Ken composers yes, yes. I, I must say that uh, Shah so Njane Mugambi yes he's written a lot especially about the environment yes and he's written specifically about the history of Kenya culturally apt and very very high level thinking in terms of technique and harmony uh, how the music is put together right but but also highlighting the community side of that um njane has worked a lot a lot of us have leaned on him for right. for you know time is not support. on our side i'm going no. to uh, i've got I'm, I'm going to give you two minutes before we find out who who you are why are you here what are you doing uh, but um the nairobi focus everything is nairobi centric be it the theater uh <sighs> I, I can see that there's wings of flutter in Kisumu in, uh, theatrically, but um, countrywide, Mombasa, Kisumu, Nakuru, Eldoret, is there a vibrancy uh, equally? Yes, it is growing now. Um, back to the answer that classical music will have to be a way of life for it to exist. It will not survive as a marketplace product. We have Nakestra, the Nakuru Orchestra, an yes. effort by some of the young people in the recent past. They've played in Nakuru from time to time. And uh, there's also a fairly busy scene in Mombasa. And actually, there's um, the program you mentioned, Ghetto Classics. Ghetto Classics has a very vibrant um, center in Mombasa currently. Yes. Uh, where young children are getting access to this music. We are not there yet. Uh, uh, Eldoret, Moy Girls Eldoret, there's been quite a vibrant um, music department that has then led to some, some effort around Eldoret for classical music. And... Um, so I think that we will get there. Moi High School, Kabarak, that's another place, making a, quite a big difference. Kabarak University, uh, out of town, Baraton University. So there is there is pockets of change. Right. And I think um, we just have to keep going. The ship is facing the right direction. We just have to keep sailing. Who are you, sir? My name is Levi Wataka. I'm a music teacher and I'm the resident conductor of the Nairobi Orchestra. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, Wana Wataka, thank you for uh, revealing yourself. Uh, and now I'm beginning to doubt whether I can be heard, but we soldier on because we're on our own. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's keep the conversation going and seeing, see what happens. Um, uh, I, d now, tell us about yourself in the three or four minutes which remain. Yes. Uh, how did you get to this exalted position of um, wielding a baton? Very good. Um, I, I I started out, I was very lucky, Mwalimu, and mm -hmm. I can now disclose now that we have reached that level, mm -hmm. that the school that I went to was how I first came to understand yes. this side of music. Um, yes. So I, I went to Lenana School. Yes. And... Um, and while, while there I was exposed, I discovered... So you're a fellow Libon. I'm a fellow Libon. With a, with a, a 20 generational gap. With a small generational gap. Yes, um, 25 years is a long time. But go on, go on, yes, go on. And, and then I won't hold it against you for being young. And, okay, and, so what and, happened? And from Lenana, I went on to take... So was there somebody music. sort of not beating you across the block and forcing you to to listen to the New World Symphony as Mr. Robin Walton did to me? Um, actually, no, they, they, they were doing... 
they were asking us to do other things mm-hmm. uh, you know but we they made us sing late into the night and get the notes perfectly right be, so that you can get on the bus to be in the choir and go to and go to precious blood and yes you yes. had you had to earn yeah. your place in the choir yes but i got to lead the choir at lenana and then went on to study music at kenyatta university and ended up learning to play the piano and starting to play as a what's called a rehearsal accompanist for the Nairobi Music Society. Hapo ndo nikakutana na hasa wale ambao walikuwa wamefanya hii kazi for many many years. And so it was out of there that somebody spotted a possibility. Some one of the conductors that was visiting from England said, "Hey, listen, why don't you wave your arms a bit? You seem to have an understanding." And uh, the rest is history. So from that time in 2000 for when i first stood up and attempted to conduct a group of any kind yes and then many years of study lots of traveling later we are, we are here and trying to get better but also always making sure to keep the door open uh, a question we've got um, maybe two or three minutes access to instruments you played the piano again did somebody say to you my son here's a piano play it oh no absolutely not i used to come from so my parents moved to ongatarungai when i was uh, you know uh, after high school so i used to i discovered the conservatory of music and i used to hang out at the national theater and uh, i would um, yeah and i can hear myself better mm. I, i would um, you know i would offer so this guy that i mentioned earlier tigala luvai notice said you 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 know you you're working very very hard you you love this thing don't you so he gave me odd jobs to do in return for a few minutes in the piano room that's before i went to university so i learned to play piano literally by uh, sort of you know being very resilient and taking any opportunity when i got to university and i was asked to choose an instrument since i was a music student i chose the piano and i was one of those people people who were at kenyatta university during our years will remember we lived in the music room we stayed there almost overnight and were dozing through lectures because we had to practice to catch up may i give you a, a, a minute to give a, a word of inspiration uh, and encouragement to uh, any young star young parent who'd like to follow in your footsteps. Yes, our uh, first thing is it is part of the journey. Make it a way of life because it has a lot of benefits not down the road like we do in many other endeavors. It has benefits now. If you commit to it, the regularity and consistency starts to pay back immediately. And as long as it is embedded in your way of life, you will be able to succeed in classical music. It will not work well if you um the other way around it's not that fanya hivi kwamba baadaye utakuja kupata kazi nzuri or whatever i think uh, classical music works well if you make it something that benefits you today and benefits those around you as you go as a way of life as a culture is there money in it there can be there is a lot of money in classical music i'm not i'm not a financial expert neither am i a business expert i don't know how the money moves but for example for an orchestra you you came to the to the you came to the at 60 Nairobi yeah. Kenya at 60 concert the the fans like so the instruments on the stage just the instruments if mm. you had to cost the instruments on the stage you're talking millions 
Yes. So there is money in classical music. How it moves? Uh, do, you, uh, do you mean this? Is there a profit? Is yeah. that what you're asking? No, are you, can, a I, can, I, can you make money? Are you, can are you, you are make you, are money? You, uh, yeah. That's a we challenge should, world over. Yeah, because you're you're a music teacher, so yes. I guess that's your base. That's my but, base. But conducting the Nairobi Orchestra is not paying you millions. You've no, got very little time to answer that that's question. That's hardly paying me at all. Many conductors around the world are not paid. I don't think it has money in that sense. It can have money. We need to think better around how to monetize what the orchestra offering is a work in progress Molimu. it's just past 19 hours 30 minutes and 51 seconds east african time time to stop do continue to give us feedback hopefully positive and reassuring on the Twitter handle at Capital FM Kenya or drop us a text or WhatsApp message on 0701-984-984. I've been talking to Levi Wataka, music teacher and conductor of the Nairobi Orchestra. And you've been listening to John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Thank you most kindly. Very much obliged. Next time will be after a short break. But there will be a next time, so till then.